0: It's one thing to find a fly in your soup, but what would you do if your patient greeted you on morning rounds with, Doctor, I found a fly in my wound. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ronald Sherman. Dr. Sherman is the Director, Biotherapeutics Education and Research Foundation, a nonprofit public charity supporting patient care, education, and research in maggot therapy, leech therapy, and other symbiotic treatments located in Irvine, California. When not researching maggot therapy, Dr. Sherman is an HIV specialist for the Orange County Health Department. Today we are discussing a novel approach to wound management using maggot debridement therapy. Hi, Dr. Sherman, and thanks so much for joining us today at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much. It's an interesting field. Tell us, how did you become interested in maggot therapy and biotherapy in general?
1: Well, my undergraduate education was actually in entomology. I've always been fascinated by insects and other bugs and very fascinated by medicine as well. So the two come together in parasitology, tropical medicine, but also in insect and arthropod-related treatments for medical illness.
0: Could you tell us a bit about biotherapy and why the renewed interest in, at this time?
1: I think many factors came about to inspire researchers and clinicians to re-examine biotherapy. So biotherapy would be the use of live animals to diagnose or treat medical illnesses. They include such well-known treatments as leech therapy, maggot therapy, bee venom therapy, but also some newer modalities, including cancer-detecting dogs using uh, olfactory
0: senses. I read about that. Are there any other animals or insects used in diagnosis?
1: Diagnosis, none that comes to mind, but there are a number of other animals that are used in treatment, including fish that can debride scale. They're used now for psoriatic illness. Also, phage therapy, bacteriophage, are seeing quite a renewed interest and clinical research to attack specific host bacteria, including MRSA and others.
0: Since our topic today is maggot therapy, could you tell us a little bit more specifically about how it's done?
1: Basically, maggot therapy is a controlled therapeutic myiasis or maggot infestation on the wound. It's been observed for centuries that maggot infested wounds often do well. The wounds are clean. Soldiers fallen on the battlefield survived their wounds better than did other wounded soldiers not infested. But therapeutic myiasis, maggot therapy, is controlled by selecting specific species and strains of fly larvae, maggots, that are known to be safe and effective It's controlled by disinfecting those larvae, making them germ-free or medical-grade maggots, and it's also controlled by applying those maggots within special dressings so the maggots don't just wander off until it's time for the therapist to remove them.
0: You're also involved with research. What have you learned from your research? What is the evidence base for this medicine?
1: In the early 90s, my interest as then a postdoc in infectious disease was to do some controlled studies of maggot therapy. It had been used in the 1930s and 40s and then disappeared because of the availability of antibiotics. But as an ID consultant or fellow, I was seeing a lot of antibiotic-resistant infections, a lot of hardware that had to be taken out, but that introduced added costs, a lot of problems with non-healing wounds. So a controlled study of megatherapy was clearly something that was lacking. And we concentrated primarily on diabetic foot ulcers and pressure ulcers. And what those early clinical studies showed was that the rate of debridement of the necrotic tissue was often four times faster than conventional non-surgical methods. So clearly, surgical debridement can remove the necrotic tissue in, in just seconds to minutes, but if that's not an option or if bedside surgical debridement results in recurrence of necrotic tissue, well then the maggot therapy in those controlled studies showed much faster debridement. It also confirmed earlier reports that granulation tissue, healthy tissue, was growing faster. The wounds were closing in and being epithelialized much, much faster than the control treatments.
0: Do you know anything or have learned anything about the specific biochemistry or molecular biology of the process by which the maggots are functioning?
1: I know it's very, very difficult to isolate those compounds. I spent uh, seven years in basic laboratory research trying to isolate the antimicrobial compounds, clearly there has been good scientific evidence for antimicrobial action, for proteolytic action, and even actions that might explain the growth promotion activities. Oh, and now there's even laboratory evidence to show that the maggot's secretions will inhibit biofilm production and will degrade already existing biofilm as produced by Pseudomonas and Staph aureus.
0: Very fascinating.
1: But the exact molecules that do this, they've been very difficult to isolate.
0: You're talking about debridement. I'm just thinking pressure ulcers in hospitals are a huge problem. Have maggots been used in that area?
1: Yes. Some of my early work was done in that area, and as a geriatrician for long-term care at the VA, I ended up finding maggots to be a very convenient way of debriding pressure ulcers when they were either resistant to the treatments of the wound care team or surgical therapy was unavailable.
0: I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ronald Sherman. We're discussing wound biotherapy. From a practical standpoint, how many practitioners do you estimate in the United States and even around the world are currently using your maggots or maggot debridement therapy?
1: In North America, there are about seven or 800 therapists, I should say hospitals and clinics and home health care agencies that are using the, the maggot therapy actual therapist is probably significantly more. Worldwide, we estimate that there were probably 50,000 treatments distributed last year by 20 or more laboratories to patients in about 25 or 26
0: countries. I mean, that's huge. I'm sure most of our audience has probably never had a direct experience. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if people are sitting back going, now, well, this sounds like a bunch of complementary alternative medicine. Sounds to me it's becoming mainstream, with that kind of usage.
1: Well, I think that given that marketing clearance was granted to medical-grade maggots, one brand of medical-grade maggots in 2004, and given that the AMA Committee for CPT Recommendations just issued some CPT coding recommendations, and given that Medicare has even included maggot therapy in their educational materials posted for DeBremont, I think you could rightly consider maggot therapy now mainstream.
0: Do you know anything or have you had any experience with the actual insurance reimbursement yet for maggot therapy? I know it's hard before there was a CPT code, but have you found any feedback from the people you supply with maggots?
1: My sense is that the majority of third-party payers are covering the cost of the maggots. Certainly for hospitalized patients, it's simple if reimbursement is by DRGs. In the outpatient setting, it it needs to be billed, the procedure and the maggots separately. One of the ways we, we gauge what the reimbursement is like is through the Better Foundation, which provides patient assistance grants for any patients who do not have insurance or whose insurance will not pay. So we are trying to use the number of grants to get a sense for how many people are are really having their requests not fulfilled for payment. And there, it's less than 10 requests per year for a patient assistance grant.
0: Well, that sounds very progressive. If somebody had a patient in a hospital that currently was not providing maggot therapy and they were interested in accessing this type of treatment for their patients, how do they go about Becoming involved, or how does one get trained in doing maggot therapy?
1: The Better Foundation has as one of its missions to train and provide support for therapists. So, a visit to our website would allow practitioners to obtain some policies and procedures if they need to get one of those in place, patient educational materials, access to scientific literature as well. And then the Better Foundation. Like some other groups, I actually have training workshops. We're, we are in the midst of creating a web based training workshop so that practitioners can find it even easier to get training.
0: And the website is?
1: The website is www.bter, as in Bio, Therapy, Education, and Research Foundation. bterfoundation.org.
0: What other forms of biotherapy are you currently involved with or looking into?
1: Leech therapy is probably the next on our list of treatments to raise better awareness and to develop some some, uh, education and, and training programs. The bee venom treatment has some clinical studies, controlled clinical studies underway. That, along with the bacteriophage, will then be next on our list.
0: And that work is being done at Monarch Laboratories or is it being done at university centers? Where's the research taking place?
1: That work is primarily being done at other universities. The Better Foundation is not involved in that. Monarch Laboratories produces medical grade maggots but is separate from the Better Foundation and is not involved in those research activities.
0: I see. What do you see as the future? Can you make some predictions? Obviously, The vast rise in antibiotic-resistant bacteria is a huge problem. What would your prediction be for the use of biotherapy, say, five or ten years from now?
1: I believe the future for biotherapy will see a continuation of the current trajectory, which means increased acceptance, increased use, incorporation of these treatments by mainstream medicine. Both the increased frequency of illnesses that we see as our population ages, things like pressure ulcers, non healing wounds, diabetic foot ulcers, leads to an increased need and an increasing population that's not able to undergo surgery, but at the same time, I see more research attempting to extract the specific molecules and someday try to to synthesize those molecules and make, you know, maggot therapy in a cream or leeches in a a medication. I'm not sure that those will ever attain the efficacy that the natural treatments have because the biomolecules will be purified. They won't be the same mixture, but I think it's a, a great attempt and it probably is coming within 10 or 12 years.
0: What bugs you the most about your colleagues' reaction to what you do?
1: I think what bothers me the most is the ignorance and disinterest that still remains among a small but important subpopulation of therapists. I see a number of doctors who are not interested to learn, which is different from just choosing not to use this modality or another modality, but not even interested in hearing the data. And that's the one thing that bothers me.
0: I think that is a key message there, especially to young physicians, as well as those of us who've been around a long time. I personally experienced maggot therapy early in my training when a patient was brought into the emergency room and the maggots were up and down his leg with this huge wound and the surgeon said, this saved his leg. If not for this, it would have been so necrotic we would have had to amputate. So. I was a believer for many years. I just never had an experience, nor did I know that it was currently being used. So, Dr. Sherman, I would like to thank you so much for being my guest today and for discussing maggot debridement therapy. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I invite you to listen to ReachMD online, on demand, and on the air, and to visit us at ReachMD.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I wish you good day and good health.